it's especially important and it's a special schus to learn a sicha today. The sicha from Chelek Tezvav, Pashas Vayeshev Aleph, is based on sichas that the Rebbe spoke on Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev Tavshin Chavhei and Yutes Kislev Tavshin Lamet. So it's a connection to our Parsha and a connection to the Yamtiv that we are just about to begin. Aleph. Smichas HaParshi has been Parshas Vayeshev. Shaba Matchil Bloshan Rashi Sipor Yeshuve Yaakov Yeshuve Toldaisov. Uven Sium Parshas Vayishlach. Uboy Sipor Yeshuve Esa Betoldaisov. Mibu Eres Bedivre Chazal Alide Moshe. The connection between this week's Parsha, Parshas Vayeshev, which begins in the words of Rashi with chronicling the settlements of Yaakov and the settlements of his children, his generations. So the connection between this week's Parsha and the end of last week's Parsha, Parsha Vayishlach, where we are told about Esav, his generations. And the Rebbe says in parentheses, Ad Malche Edaim Va'alufe Esav Shalacharehim. And the Torah delineates the chronology of Esav's descendants until the kings of Edom, the kings of Rome, and, and, and after that. So our Chachamim explain and shine light on this connection, Al Yidei Mashal, through offering a parable, a Mashal. Mashal Lamelech. So the Tanchuma says, this is a parable. This is an analogy <coughs> to a king. A king had a pearl that fell in or was thrown in to a whole bunch of uh, dirt and pebbles or gravel. So the king had to search through the, uh, the earth and the gravel to take out the pearl that he was looking for. When the king actually found the pearl, he left alone the earth and the pebbles, the gravel, and he concerned himself only with the pearl. And Chazal continued to say that in the analogy, in the analog, it's exactly the same thing. That we cannot begin to chronicle the generations of Yaakov Avinu, unless we first speak about, at least in synopsized version, unless we chronicle first the settlements of Esav and his progeny. <clears throat> so in other words, Yaakov is the pearl, Esav is the dirt and the pebbles and the, um, the gravel. And, uh, and we have to get through that in order to reach the pearl. 
And we find similarly, as the Medrash brings down, that there were 10 generations from Adam till Noyach, and 10 generations from Noyach till Abraham. So we learn about these, <coughs> both of these sets of 10 generations in very abbreviated form, a very abbreviated fashion. When the Torah speaks about the pearls, Avraham, Yitzchak, and then you see that the Torah starts to concern itself with these pearls, with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov in elongated fashion. We have to understand. It would seem, it would seem that this analogy is, is just not fitting for what we're speaking about today. In the other examples, because between Adam and Nayach, you have uh, quite a stretch of time. You have eight generations intervening. Or altogether, you're talking about 10 generations. And the same thing from Nayach until Avraham. So it makes sense that Torah has to delineate all of the generations until you come to the main thing where you're going to now get busy with this and speak about it in full form. So it, it, it makes sense that you're going to have to at least delineate all the intervening generations until you come to Noyach and the same thing with Abraham. And is in the mushal, in the parable, just as in the parable, the pearl is hidden in the earth. And therefore, if you want to find a pearl that's hidden in the earth, you, you must look, you must search for it until you'll find it. So the Torah has to enumerate all the generations. Masha in but when it comes to our Parshas here now, Parshas Vayeshev, which is, concerns itself completely with Yaakov, so in contradistinction to the above-mentioned examples, Harehu binoi shal Yitzchak. Yaakov Avinu is the son of Yitzchak. In other words, there's no big interval between them, like there was between Adam and Noyach, or from Noyach to Avraham. The Imkain, and if so, So why would the Medrash say, and why does Rashi bring this down, that, that the connection is that first we have to delineate all the, the um, generations of Esau, and only then can we come to Yaakov. But why would we have to go through Esau to come to Yaakov? Yaakov is the son of Yitzchak. There's no, there's nothing intervening between them. We shouldn't need this at all. So that's the Rebbe's question. Base. Now he's going to say, For instance, If you were to talk about events that happened to Esau, that intersect with things that happened to Yaakov. For instance, like the brachis from Yitzchak, their father, 
So then you might be able to say that regarding these events and these inyanim, yes, Yaakov is, as it were, hidden and mixed in to the earth, so to speak, quote unquote, that is Esav. And, and therefore, we're forced to speak about certain events to happen, that happened with Esav in order to understand how and why things evolved the way they did concerning Yaakov. And even regarding <coughs> the last story at the end of Parshas Vayishlach, that speaks about Esav kind of settling down for long term um, in Harseyer. Ef Shalimar Kibir Hamaharal, we might be able to say in consonance with the explanation given by the Maharal, Shehunageli Yishuvayakov, that the Torah telling us about the settlements of Esav is important regarding the settlements of Yaakov. Why? Because it's only after Esav conquered Seir and he settled down there. It was only then that Yaakov became the sole heir of Eretz Yisrael. And this would be the main point of the Torah telling us about the settlement of Yaakov and his children. The Saper to tell us, It's to, re, it's to relate to us regarding the settlement and their wandering until they come to where they're actually going to settle. So Rebbe says, maybe that's one way of explaining it according to the Maharal. At the last story, and Vayishlach concerns itself with Esav and his settling, and this is important vis-a-vis Yaakov because now Yaakov becomes the sole heir of Eretz Yisrael. But the Rebbe says, "Abal nice In addition to the fact that this doesn't compute, shechein mina moshel muchach shamargalis tmuna betoich ha'ofar v'tzarech lechapes acharehu, because in the moshel in the parable and the analogy. We're being told that there's a pearl that is buried deep in the earth, and you have to look for the pearl. But when you talk about the explanation that Maral gave about why what the what the connection is, the most you could say is that there is a connection. You can't say that the relating in the Torah about Yaakov's generations and settlements are buried deep within the fact that Esav settled in Seir. You could say there's a connection. You could say maybe there's a, some kind of intersection, a mixture <clears throat> between Yaakov and Esav regarding their settlement. But you cannot say that it's the kind of connection or interface between Esav and Yaakov that is analogous to a pearl being buried deep within the earth. 
so much so that you would have to search in the in the earth to find the, the pearl. And so in the analog, it would have to mean that in order to understand about Yaakov's settlement, you have to dig deep into the settlements of Esau, and there you will find an understanding of Yaakov's settlement. No, it's not like that. But there's even something more difficult to understand. In Vayishlach, at the very end of Vayishlach, the Torah enumerates all of the generations and the um, Alufe, the, the generals or the princes of Esav and where they settled all the way until the Roman kings, Malchai Edom, Asher Malchai Lefnei Melech Melech Lefnei Yisrael. And these were all kings before the Jews ever had one king. Ten before we ever had one. And so this contains the entirety of time until Shaul. It even includes all of the royalty or the, the princes of Asa until after Hadar, which is a time where they had no more sovereignty. And if you're talking all the way so far in history, for sure there is no connection. There is no mixture there between Esau and Yaakov and his generations and where they settled. So the Rebbe says, <clears throat> I'm just not understanding what the Medrash says here about the connection between the end of Parshas Vayishlach and the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev. And, and by using the analogy that somehow the pearl is hidden within the earth. Uh, I, I'm not seeing it. And the Rebbe says, furthermore, in Sif Gimol, in the third part of the Sicha, we're doing Vayeshev, Aleph, and Chilak Tezvav. He says, and besides this, Gam Dorj Bir Kama Pratim Rebbe says, we also have to understand certain details in this mushal, in this parable. We have to understand the details of the mushal because, of course, we have to understand what they correlate to in the analog, in the nimshal. And amongst those details that we have to understand, Aleph. What are these two different categories of earth? versus gravel or pebbles. You know, why, why the distinction? We understand what's the difference, you know, when you're talking about earth and pebbles, but why is it necessary for the Medish to bring down both of these? And what do they correlate to? And Bayes, Madua, Mudgosh, Keshegia, Melchel, Margulis, Heiniach has an offer versus Atreus, but it's Asik, the Margulis. And why, uh, somebody's asking, Tipper, you'll put it in the, Chat, thank you so much, Tipper Wartimer, who every single week hosts this and moderates this. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, we also have to understand why does the Medrash spill extra ink and tell us that when the king located the pearl, then he put aside the earth and the pebbles and he busied himself with the pearl. I mean, isn't that self-understood? 
it would seem that this is self-understood. As soon as you find what you're looking for, that's what you're going to concern yourself with. As soon as you find the pearl, that's what you're going to be uh, focusing on. So the Rebbe says, the Medrash should have just said, more bikitzer, in, more, in, in shorter form, as soon as the king found the pearl, that's what he got busy with. But from the fact that the mushal, that the medrash gives, it to the, gives us these extra words, it's understood and it's recognized. That even after finding the pearl, Rebbe says it's, it's understood that even after finding the pearl, it is necessary for there to be a specific overture to put aside the earth. And that this is necessary in order to fully and properly concentrate on the pearl. Dalit. And before the Rebbe begins to unpack this for us, like only the Rebbe could, there's more. And there's more. Like we've explained already many times. Rebbe made very famous that Rashi contains wondrous inyanim. And we find in Rashi here, the beginning of this week's parsha, Rashi imports this mushal from the Medrash into his commentary, but with some noteworthy differences, and amongst those differences, the first difference is, Instead of Rashi importing the whole mushal from the Medrash in wholesale fashion, he changes certain words. One of those is the Medrash says, lefashvesh, which means to search in the earth. Rashi, kasav, Rashi wrote, mimashmesh which means to feel around. Okay, so instead of saying to search, which is what the Medrash says, Rashi uses a specific term, to feel around. And then he adds, and to sift it in a sieve. Now, the Rebbe says in the uh, brackets, this additional term, this additional detail, to sift the earth in a sieve, is actually mentioned in a different medrash, which also brings down this parable. But in that other medrash, this same parable is presented, but in a different style. But Rashi chooses from the other instance in which the medrash brings down this parable in a different style. Rashi chooses to extract this term, this detail, to sift it through a sieve and bring it down here. So that's another question. Now these questions concern 
the differences that Rashi made between the Medrash and what he brought into his Perush. Base the second. Af Rashi Rashi does bring down both of the details, the earth on one hand and the pebble or the gravel on the other hand. Aval but he does it with a difference. At the beginning, he only brings down chol, the earth. Rashi brings down that it fell into the earth and that he feels the king feels around in the earth. But at the end of the parable, when he talks about how the king found the pearl, over there, Rashi says, he casts away the pebbles or the gravel. And at the end of the, of, of the parable, he does not mention earth. That's another digression from the Medrash. And Gimel, the third is, and even the very end of the parable, it, Rashi makes a slight change. Misha Matzah, he says, when the king found the pearl, who mashlich ezatzeres, he casts away the pebbles. Mashlich b'mokam hiniach. Mashlich means to throw away, to cast away, but the medrash says hiniach, he puts aside. So it's a more vociferous term that Rashi introduces. So before we go to Se'if Hey, where the Rebbe begins to give us the resolution, let's just review very quickly all the questions. The first question is, why do we need this mushal altogether? I mean, really? Yitzchak was Yaakov's father, spoke about Yitzchak, now we're trying to speak about Yaakov. It's not like how we have to list the generations between Adam and Noyach where we list them very, very quickly in one fell swoop, and then we stop on Noyach because there are 10 generations from Adam to Noyach. Same thing from Noyach to Avraham. Again, very quickly list the chronology that comes between them, and then focus on Avraham. Makes sense because there's intervening generations. But here, this is the next generation. So why should we have to say that it's necessary to look through every all the generations of Esav in order to reach Yaakov. I mean, Yaakov has a direct line to, 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 to Yitzchak. Why do we have to detour through Esav? So that's like the, that's the overarching question. Then in Sif Beis, the Rebbe uh, entertains, you could say, or explores uh, different ways that we might be able to understand it. Like, that maybe you want to say that there's a very strong connection between what happened to Esau and what happened to Yaakov. And therefore, you have to list all the generations of Esau. But the problem is that that's not the case. In other words, it's not like Yaakov's life and the details of his life are actually deeply mired in the life of Esau. It's not like that. You have to extract the pearl from the earth. And even the story uh, at the end of Parshat Vayishlach about where Esav settled down, maybe it intersects with Yaakov's life, like the Maharal says, because after Esav settled down in Seir, Yaakov, in very manifest fashion, becomes the sole heir to Eretz Yisrael, which is really 
like pivotal to everything we're going to learn about Yaakov. But even this, you could say there's an interface, but you can't say that it's buried in the earth in the gravel. And especially because the Torah enumerates all the generations of Asaph until really the end of that sovereign line. And certainly those later generations have nothing to do with Yaakov. Then the Rebbe says, we have to understand, and if Gimel the Rebbe says, we have to understand some details in the mushroom. Number one, why the necessity to talk about earth and pebbles? Choose one. Why do you really need both? Number one. Number two, why does the Medrash have to say that it's when he found the pearl, he put down the earth? I mean, you understand that if you're looking for something, and you're looking through, I don't know, a whole bunch of rubble to find something precious, as soon as you find the precious, you're not going to be busying yourself with the rubble anymore. Why is that even necessary to tell us something that is so self-understood? And the Rebbe says that from the fact that the Medrash takes pains to tell us this, it means that there is a very specific necessity to putting aside the earth and the and the gravel and the pebbles in order to actually pay the proper attention to the pearl. And finally, what we just did in the fourth part of the Sikha, where the Rebbe points out that Rashi imports this general idea in his Perush, general mashal, but he makes certain differences. One is, instead of saying lefashvesh to search, Rashi says, memashmesh, he feels around and adds an additional term to sift the earth through a sieve, which it seems, the Rebbe says with a question mark, perhaps Rashi is bringing from a different medrash that brings down the same mushal in a different style. And Rashi only extracts this particular term about sifting through the sieve and kind of injects it into this style of the, medrash, of, of, of the story in the medrash. The second thing that Rashi changes is that in the beginning, he speaks only about the earth. And at the end, he speaks only about the pebbles, whereas the Medrash speaks about both in the beginning and at the end. And finally, at the end, Rashi, instead of using the term that the Medrash brings down, that after he finds the pearl, he puts aside the earth. Rashi says, after he finds the pearl, he casts away, he throws away Mashlich throws away the pebbles. Hey, Hatam Rashi Chol Hamashol. What is the reason Rashi does not include the earth at the beginning of the parable? Ella Kasav Mashlich He only talks about the pebbles, the the the, the gravel. Bir Hamaharal. The Maral explains. Shehu Lefi Shabedvarav Elu Mefarish Rashi Zatam Lekach Shakasav Loi. Because through this, Rashi is explaining why, after this point at the end of Parshas Vayishlach, the Torah doesn't talk about Esav anymore. Because once you start talking about the settlements of Yaakov, because once you start talking about Yaakov, everything else about Esau that comes after that, that is not necessary and 
for, for understanding Yaakov and his settlement and his generation, they become like pebbles that need to be cast away. And that is why Rashi refers to them as Sreiris, as pebbles. Hainu, meaning, because the later stories regarding Asab in the later generations, to begin with, there is no connection and there is no mixture with the settlements of Yaakov. According to the Maharal, Rashi wants to teach us that everything that comes later about Esav has is never mixed really with what happens with Yaakov. And so therefore, at the beginning, he uses earth because a pearl can get lost or stuck or be covered in earth. So that it, it maybe you don't even see it. It's not obvious at first. But at the end, the later generations of Asa, they're like, sorry, it's like pebbles. Pebbles are not going to hide the, 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 the gravel or the pebbles are not going to hide the pearl. You could see one is a pebble, one is a pearl. It's harder for there to be that mixture. But the Rebbe says, but I'm not understanding the Maral's page. On top of the fact that there's no chiddush, according to the Maharal's explanation, there's no chiddush in the words, he throws away, he casts away the pebbles. Because we already know that after the Pasuk starts to speak about Yaakov, we're not going to talk more about Esau. Because that was already explained in the first part of the mashal. The mashal tells us that the melech, the king, fields around in the earth, rock only only until he finds the pearls. Then he's not going to waste his time fielding around in the earth again. So in other words, so what is added by saying that you cast away the pebbles. The Rebbe says, but besides this, in other words, on top of the fact that according to the Maharal, there's really nothing new that Rashi is adding here from the, from the, from the analog, but according to the Maharal, if you're going to go according to what the Maharal taught, that even before the king found the pearl, there was never any reason to search among the pebbles. Because a pearl can never really completely be eclipsed in pebbles because it's so different. That's according to the Maharal. But the Rebbe says, Rashi. But when you look at what Rashi is telling us, that it's only after he found it, which means that according to Rashi, it is very possible for a pearl to get lost, mixed up, or eclipsed among the pebbles. So it's only it's only after he identifies the pearl as different from the pebbles, only that does he throw away the pebbles of gravel. It's, 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 so, so it's proven from this 
that in fact, it's it's the opposite. That Rashi is opining the opposite from from the Maharal. That before finding the pearl, it is in fact very mixed up in the in the pebbles. Okay, and like it says clearly in the Medrash that we cited above, that the pearl gets cast in among the earth and among the pebbles. And the and the Medrash says. That in order to find the pearl, the king has to look around both in the earth and in the pebbles. And so how do we understand the connection between the Torah enumerating the generations of Esav at the end of Parshas Vayishlach and the Torah beginning to enumerate in detailed fashion the settlements and the generations of Yaakov Avinu. If in order to speak about Yaakov, we should not have to detour through Esav. Again, there's a direct line between Yitzchak and Yaakov. And why with these particular details, both in the Medrash and in the changes that Rashi made from the Medrash? Rebbe says the explanation in all of this, the resolution. And of course, it's always the case that the Rebbe kind of uh, puts our head straight on our shoulders and says, you're looking in the wrong direction. You have to look like this. The Torah is not really coming to tell us Stam about the generations of Yaakov. The Torah is coming to tell us something different. Tachlis Yeshuve Yaakov. What is the end goal of everything having to do with Yaakov? It's Ein Arakis Yashvus Yaakov one of Ba'artsam. If you think it's about Yaakov and his children, how they settled in their land, Eretz Yisrael, etc., etc. You're barking up the wrong tree. But rather, it's exactly what Yaakov said to Esav. You might remember that Esav said to Yaakov, oh, so wonderful that we have finally met over all these years and we've put away our differences. Let's go together. Let's travel together. Yaakov, of course, said, my children are weak and, and, and my flocks and we can't do this, but I will come to you soon. So why don't you go up ahead? I'll meet you in Seir. And Rashi brings down that Yaakov's intention was that this will come to be. When will Yaakov meet up with Asa? It will be in fulfillment of the promise B'mei Mashiach of what will happen in times of Mashiach. And it says in Avadia, the saviors will alight onto Esav. They will then pass judgment on the mountain, on the people of Esav. That's when Yaakov would come to Seir. So the Rebbe is saying that the whole Tachlis and the whole Kavana 
of Yaakov Avinu and all of his children, all of us, is what we have to accomplish vis-a-vis and this is what Chazal came to teach us by offering up this mushal concerning the pearl. I can't be the only one that has often wondered, is this really what Chazal had in mind? Is this really what Rashi had in mind? Is this really what Rambam had in mind? Um, but I guess, the, or or is this all the Rebbe? But uh, the Rebbe is saying that this is what this is what Chazal uh, had in mind when they offered up this parable. What's being spoken of here is not mainly about Yaakov, qua Yaakov. Because as the Rebbe has already explained about Yaakov, you cannot say that it's. It doesn't fit to say that Yaakov and, and all of his generations and their settlement is buried deep within Esav and his generation, Ella. But rather, But if you want to talk about the main goal and the completion of what Yaakov has to accomplish, Avoy Se'era. This is the crescendo of Yaakov's, crescendo of Yaakov's Avodah, to come to Mashiach Saitan and to meet Esav there, under those circumstances. The cave on Shazam Musag Dafgal Im Uve Yishuve Esav And because this zenith in Yaakov's Avodah, is found only through doing the Aveda with Esav and his generations. So in that respect, Yaakov's perfection is hidden deep within Esav. And now it makes sense. And now we understand why the Torah delineates all of the generations and all of the princes of, of, of Esau until we come to the end of their sovereign line with the Roman kings, with the Malchei Edoim, until the time of Sholomel. Why does it stop there? Because Shaul is the beginning of the idea of Mashiach. He was the first anointed king among B'nai Israel. Ve'ilu zachu. And if that generation would have been meritorious, if that generation would have been worthy and would have been deserving, then it would have been through Shaul that this promise would have been, would have come to fruition that during that time, Yaakov, the saviors will come on Har Tzion and they will pass judgment on Har Esav, uh, on, on Esav and his people. Zion. Zeu gam habir And once we understand, again, once the Rebbe disabuses us of the idea that this is just about chronology and this is just about understanding Yaakov's 
generations, his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and where they're going to live and what they're going to do. And the Rebbe says, wait, wait, you're not understanding. This is not really about Yaakov qua Yaakov. This is about Yaakov Zavoyda. And Yaakov Zavoyda is Dafka only through Esav. It's not a detour. It's the only route to Yaakov accomplishing what Yaakov has to accomplish. And once you understand that, we're now in a position to understand the two terms that otherwise seem a little uh, extra. <laughs> it's a mushal for heaven's sake. Okay, choose one. Choose earth or choose pebbles. Like, really? But the Rebbe says, no, no, yes, really. Because once you understand that it's a mushal for what we have to do, because if what we have to do is ultimately to pass judgment on har mishpat, there are actually two modalities, two paradigms in refining and rendering justice or judgment, more correctly, upon Asaf. There's two dimensions. There is the way in which Asaf will be refined, and this will come to light in future times. And this will express itself in um, the many nations that will be transformed to goodness. Like we have the famous prophecy in Sephania, Rabbi used to quote this pasuk over and over again that in the messianic time, the, the nations will be transformed. They will all speak in clear manner. They will call upon God. They will, they will serve Hashem altogether. And this idea of transformation of the negative to positive is also hinted at in the very, very famous teaching of Chazal, that the Chazir, that the pig will in Mashiach Saitin become a pure animal. Good days are coming. And we know that Chazir the pig is uh, an analogy or an allusion to Malchus Edim, to the, to the sovereignty that comes from Asa. So the first modality is the way in which this negativity, this Asa will be transformed. Bez, the second, Habachina Be'esav, Shehi Ra Gomor V'yesh La'abda. But there, think you say Labda. There, there, but there's a second aspect of Asa that is completely and totally beyond repair, beyond salvation, and therefore it has to be destroyed. As it says in Avadia, the house of Yaakov will be a fire, and the house of Yosef will be a flame, and the house of Asa will be like straw. And they will be devoured and there will be nothing left. There will be no remains, nothing surviving. And the Rebbe says, once you understand 
that the whole, again, enumeration of the generations is to teach us that Yaakov and Yaakov's children, their Avoida is dafka through, working through the generations of Esav. Now the Rebbe says there's two aspects in that Avoida. There's the aspects that will undergo transformation and there are the aspects that have to be destroyed because there is no redeeming holiness found in that aspect. And the Rebbe says that now you understand that these two modalities are by analogy are like the details in the analogy the earth on one hand and the pebbles on the other. Earth, dust, is something that can obfuscate, it can shroud, it can, it can hide. Like in our mashal, that the earth covers over and shrouds the pearl. But earth itself is not a, a complete and total evil. And so you could kind of dust the earth off. You could transform it. Until you could see something positive come out of it. Like an example of, of, of this kind of something that appears to be negative, but actually has redeeming factor is like the peel on a fruit. What's the reason for the peel on a fruit? The, the, the peel is meant to protect the fruit. Like, for instance, again, this is from Yeshayahu, we're told the Moshiach comes, even those that are strangers to you, meaning the other nations, there will be, there will be a redeeming factor from them. They will, for instance, take care of your flocks. They'll be your shepherds. In other words, they're not inherently and completely evil. The Ilu Inyan Hatsuaris, but in contradistinction, when you talk about the pebbles by way of analogy, you have to understand, Rebbe says, that earth, yeah, it's true. Sometimes it could cover over something valuable, but all you have to do is kind of wipe it away, blow it away, take a, take a wet shmata. But pebbles is a whole different thing. Not only is it something not only is it something that doesn't bring to good but it's, it's more than that. Pebbles can often be something that is harmful. Um, in the Gemara, it speaks about a, a situation where an animal steps on pebbles, and because the animal steps on the pebbles with such great force, the pebbles fly and they cause uh, something else to be destroyed. Let's say um, uh, a pot, a, a, you know, a, an earthenware vessel, okay? So your, I don't know, bull steps on pebbles with force, and then the pebbles fly and they break something. So the Rebbe says pebbles is something that can be harmful. It's different than earth, which is just kind of like a nuisance that the dust just has to be pushed away. Pebbles is a whole different thing. It is a 
muscle for the aspects of Asa that cannot be transformed. They must be destroyed. Ches. A masa yasig Yaakov is tachlisa v'shleimusay. When will Yaakov, when will we finally reach the completion of our avoda? Kishetikuyim ha'avtocha v'rav ya'avoid so'ir. When the promise that the Navi made to Rivka in that famous instance when she went to the yeshiva of Shemba Eber and she asked, what is going on within me? It was very, very alarming to her, so much so that a woman who had suffered infertility for decades was ready to say, if this is what it feels like, then why did I want children, right? She was extremely perturbed. And the Navi said to her, that there are two nations within you and the older one will serve the younger one. So when will this promise come true that the older one, meaning Esau, will serve the younger one, meaning Yaakov? It will come to fruition through this idea of Yaakov judging Esau. Now, now the Rebbe says, and what is the innermost reason? That Esav is referred to as Rav, the bigger one, the greater one. And why is the completion of Yaakov dependent on this Rav, this greater one, this older one serving the younger one? So the Rebbe says we can understand this. It's the same thing as is explained in Hasidus about a person. The person, as we know, is the fourth and the highest in the pyramid of strata, four categories into which everything is divided. The lowest is the anatomate. Above the anatomate is the strata of vegetation. Above the strata of vegetation is the strata of animal life. And then you have Hamidaber, the one who speaks, humanity. So we have a famous question. Why should it be that man, who is the apex of this pyramid, the highest form, Famous question. Why should the highest echelon be forced to eat of the animal life and the vegetation and mineral life in order to exist and in order to do what must be done? In other words, why would the most powerful have this vulnerability that forces, in this case, humanity to depend on the lower forms of existence for, for life. Seems, seems kind of strange. So the Rebbe says, it's the same idea here. What does Hasidus explain about lower forms? They seem to be lower forms. But Hasidus explains that the Nisaitin Kedusha, the holy that are found Thanks, Tipa.
amazing. Could you imagine if the Abitur just did that to us? Just muted us. We're not that lucky. <laughs> but that's because the Abitur needs us. With, 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 with everything we're going to do wrong, the Abitur is depending on us to do the right thing. Not going to mute us. Okay. It's kind of sobering. We've got we to gotta filter ourselves. Okay. So, um, so the Chazidis explains that the Nitzaytis Kedusha that are found in the, in the, in the strata of Daimim Sameach and Chai come from the Olam HaTayhu. They come from a higher place than, than we do. Our Nishama comes from Tikkun. The Nitzaytis Kedusha come from Tayhu. In the same way, it's the same thing with Asa and Yaakov that the higher one had to serve the younger one. Because as Hasidus teaches, and we learned a sikha, uh, that, that the shayrish of Esav is higher than the shayrish of Yaakov, and that's why it manifested um, in Yaakov being the Bechor. I'm sorry, Esav being the Bechor. Okay, and as explained in Chabal and Hasidus, that the Shurish of Esav is an Olam Hatayu, and Olam Hatayu is higher than Olam Hatikun. So that means that there's something about Esav that is higher, his source and his antecedents are higher than Yaakov's level. And through the, the fact that Yaakov refines the Nitzaytis Kedusha, the holy sparks of Tayu that are found in Esau, he extricates them, he unleashes them, and he elevates them to their source. Through this effort, of refining Esav's Nitzaytes, Yaakov is elevated. Tikkun is elevated. And it is only in this way that Yaakov comes to his Tachlis and to his Shlemos, that he comes to fulfill all that he is and that he can do. And this is an additional reason This is a deeper, an additional reason for why the Torah enumerates all of the kings that served in Edom all before Jews ever had even one king. So the first explanation was that this is teaching us what is going on here, what the Torah really wants to tell us. But we're not just enumerating generations for sake of chronological report. We're explaining what the Avedah of Yaakov is going to be, what the Avedah of Neishal is going to be until the end of time. The second reason why all these kings are enumerated is because by enumerating all of these generations of Esau, this is alluding to the elevation that Yaakov can reach Dafka through refining Esau. And as is known from learning Hasidus, the Rebbe writes in footnote 35, where, We know 
this is a, this is a, you know, axiomatic to Hasidus, that everything that happens in this world is, is a pale reflection of what's happening above. So Kabbalah and Hasidus teach that the kings of Edom, their source is in the celestial kings metaphorically that are found, the primal forces in Yisrael, And therefore, because they are the reflection of Taihu, they had to rule in this world before there would be a Jewish king because the Jews come from Tikkun. Because in their source, they are higher, and therefore they come first, to the kings of B'nai Yisrael. Yisrael, again, our neshamas are from Tikkun. And now the Rebbe brings this home and tells us what we have to do about this. And um, if you're starting to get anxious that the Rebbe hasn't answered all his questions, don't worry. He's going to answer every last one of them here. And this is also the, the hira, the lesson for all of us in the time of Golos. How you read the Golos, us coming down a Golos, and specifically this last Golos, which is referred to as Golos Edom, which is really about the generations of Esau, because Edom comes from Esau, and Esau was called Edom, right? He was red. The whole avoid of Golos is for us to refine the godly sparks that are found in all of physical, material, temporal matter. And it is only through this avoid that the neshama can be elevated higher even than her source. Again, because the source of all of the Gashmias, the Nitzaitis that are that vivify the Gashmias, their source is in Tayu. And Tayu is higher than the source of the Neshama, which is in Tikkun. And it is to this Avaida of refining the celestial sparks, Miramzim Chazal that Chazal hinted at the Moshal Hamargalis Hamushlachas Betaycha Ofor Betaycha Tsoyos. It is to this Avoida that Chazal were hinting at when they offered this analogy, this parable of a pearl cast into the earth and the pebbles. Hamargalis Hamushal Anitat Diktusha. The pearl is an analogy for the holy spark, that falls into earth and falls into pebbles, into gravel. And these two different aspects, the earth and the gravel, they hint at these two categories of physical material matter. Of 
Margolius. When they offer the aspect in the muscle of Ophar of earth, so this is an illusion or an analogy to the aspects of Gashmian, Gashmius that simply hide and obscure the holy sparks within them, like, like the, the pearls. The Yehudi, and a Jew, through his avoida, through his overture, through her hard work, can refine these sparks and can elevate them. The Ilutsreiris, but the Mashal also mentions pebble. And pebbles, Murim Aldvarim, Ashahim Ragamor. This is an analogy for the aspects of the material world that are completely bad. Ad Asher Chalkam Ein Efsharus Lahitim Mitochem Aliyadeya Voida Regila as Nitzus Hakadosha. And for these things, it's not possible to unleash the sparks, the holy sparks. Now, the Rebbe says, but the Rebbe gives a caveat in the parentheses, al yedei avoidah regila. The Rebbe says, through regular avoidah, you cannot unleash, you cannot locate, therefore you cannot extricate, and therefore you cannot elevate these sparks. But look at footnote 38. Milvad al yedei tshuva oi nisyenes. The only way to access and to do anything with these sparks that are found in this aspect of the world is only through tshuva or nisyenes. Hashem should protect us from nisyenes. Oh, I'm sorry. There has to be, it's impossible through the normal avoida to reach the nitzutz kedosha that's in these things. And the Rebbe says, Gam bahem yeshna margalis. And even in things that present as totally evil. And so the Nitzitz Kedusha is so deeply mired as to be incarcerated, which is why it's called Osor. It's incarcerated, it's imprisoned, and we can't reach it. But it has to be there. There has to be a pearl. There has to be Nitzitz Kedusha, right? Because if there is no spark. If there is no pearl, it can't exist. Anything that exists can only exist by virtue of the fact that it is vivified by the spark. But this spark, is completely obfuscated. And the only way for us to deal with these things, again, in the regular, on a regular basis, is just to push these things away. Abel, but the Rebbe says, but even Gamla Acha Shehigia Lemarkalis, now the Rebbe is going to answer the other questions he asked, even after you reach the pearl, meaning, okay, in our Aveda of Bira Hanit refining these sparks, after you reach the spark, you reach the pearl, he need Kaidem Sheefshalis Asikba. Before you can properly concern yourself with the pearl, before you can properly busy yourself, concentrate on it. Nidreshes ha'akdama b'hazehirus dehenia chesa'afar. 
it is necessary to first preface by carefully setting aside the earth. Person has to really recognize, he has to see and recognize that the external, the veneer, the facade, the Dvarim Hagashmim should have no chashivas, should have no importance in his eyes. The only reason we involve ourselves with this stuff is only to take out the nitzaitis kedusha that are found in it. And therefore, it is important to add the words right? That was one of the Rebbe's questions. Avs that we would put, once you find a pearl, you're going to lose interest in everything else. The Rebbe says, no, 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 not so fast. Not so fast. Because even when you find the pearl, you have to be cognizant of the fact that that's the only thing that's important and you cannot get preoccupied and caught up with the offer, with the earth. Because then you're not going to be able to do your avoida properly. Okay, it's okay to go on Pinterest or probably that's already obsolete. I don't know. I don't know the stuff, but to find whatever you need to, to do, uh, whatever you need to do for your party event, but, but, but that's it. But then like, take it, do it, finished. That's it. There's no interest in that. And that is and that's actually crucial to finding the pearl. Because as long as the Gashmias itself still takes up headspace, it's still it's still important. Not only can you not extract the sparks of holiness in the proper manner, but this more. He talking is possible. It's possible that by continuing to be uh, involved with the physical and material, it's actually going to bring you down. It's only when what you eat and what you drink and all this physical stuff in every, in every aspect of life, it's only when you put it aside, you consciously put it aside. You leave the earth, you leave the pebbles. That's the only way to actually refine the godly sparks properly. And when you do it in this way, this will affect a very high level of elevation in the neshama. And now the Rebbe says, that we truly understand what the Torah is saying and what the Medrash is saying and what Rashi is saying, only now can you understand Gam Hashinuyim Shebe Rashi. 
Now we're in a position to understand the changes that Rashi made from the Medrash. Because it's through these changes that Rashi alludes to, and in parentheses, the Rebbe says, Yena shall Rashi. And, and the Rebbe coined this phrase, the wine of Rashi. In other words, Rashi says, I came only, my stated mandate is just to explain the Pshat. But the Rebbe, of course, was Machadesh, that there's so many levels and strata in Rashi, including Soid, including the esoteric, which the Rebbe refers to as Yenishal Torah, just like you only get the the uh, most valuable part of a grape by squeezing the wine. This is the most valuable part of the initial Torah that's in Rashi. And now we can understand as prate seder with the changes, with the seemingly small, subtle changes that nobody would have ever, ever, ever noticed except for the Rebbe, Rashi is actually delineating for us the Seder HaAvayda of Bira Hanitzaitis. He's explaining to us, how do you do this most crucial, the most crucial? Because Rebbe is saying, that's the reason we went into Golos. That's the reason we're here, is for Bira Hanitzaitis. And Rashi is telling us how you go about this delicate work. And it's delicate and it's fraught with difficulty because it means you have to interface with the Gashmias, and at the same time, you have to hold it at bay. Like Tzvi Freeman brilliantly said, be within, but stay above. So Rashi is going to tell us. In the main, the avoid of Birhanitzaitis, again, refining the sparks or unleashing the sparks or extricating and unleashing the sparks. In the main, this is in the part of life that can be understood as the choil, as the Rebbe explained to us. This is the dirt. This is the part that can be easily moved away. It can be easily transformed. The loibitzvayers, not in the pebbles that are dangerous. Shemehem al because usually when you're dealing with this part of life, you can't unleash the sparks. You can't find the pearl. Except like the Rebbe explained to us, through the highest levels of tshuva and through nesiyanis. And therefore, at first, the first level of Bir is a person begins to feel around in the earth, in the dust. Why does Rashi use the word to feel around? To approximate to approximate and to look where could this pearl be? In this, in this coil, in this earth. And don't go crawling in places where you're not going to be able to find these pearls. Don't go to the pebbles. And that's why in the beginning of Rashi, he does not mention pebbles. He just mentions earth. 
after this, after you already found the pearl, you already have in your hand the refinement of the earth. At the beginning, there's good and bad mixed up together, right? There's a pearl and there's the earth. And now you need to introduce, which is why Rashi extracted this term that is not found in the retelling of the parable in the Medrash from which he takes everything else, but he found it, it seems, the Rebbe says question mark, maybe in another Medrash where this term is used to sift it through a sieve. So once you've, first, first step is feel around. Second step is use that sieve. Now, this is a more exacting um, level in the progression of It's not enough to approximate. You have to sift carefully. Until you find and you completely separate the pearl, the Nitas Shabbai. In other words, you separate it out from all the extraneous matter in which it was mired. And then after that, Misayim Rashi, Rashi finishes up, Alderak in the Medrash, in the style of the Medrash with the necessary caution, and when you find that pearl and you have completely separated it from any other extraneous matter in which it was found, then you have to consciously not just set aside, remember this was another change that Rashi made, not meniach, mashlech. You have to consciously cast away hatsreiris. Now it's not just earth you have in your hand, it's actually pebbles. What does it mean? Sheyesh lahashlech, with a force, you have to, you have to cast away as hapsoilas berashahufudu, the garbage that you separated off from the pearl, the khan, and now at this stage in the Avoidah, Nikra Gam Hachol Now the earth, which was until now, we were relating to it as Chol, just earth, dust. Now it takes on the form of pebbles. What's the pshat? What does this mean? Until you don't have the complete separation of the pearl from the earth, the good from the bad. At that level, the gashmias is still analogous to chol, to earth, meaning rock helam alanitis helaki. It's benign. It's really just obscuring the, the godly spark, the pearl. But then when you apply the next level, you put it through a sieve, meaning you become much more exacting. 
in your standards. Because a sieve has very small holes. So you're very, very carefully separating it all out. The nivdal hatayv minara. And in this way, you're really separating the good from the bad. Now, what was until this time earth, dust, now is reckoned as pebbles, as gravel. And now you have to cast it away completely. Now this becomes completely evil. You have to got to throw it away. There's nothing you can do with this. In other words, the higher you, you go in this Avaita of Birurim, the more refined, the more something that could be postured at an earlier state in this process now becomes something that you completely have to cast away. Now it's a pebble. Now it's no longer benign. Now it's problematic. It could even be dangerous at this point. So there's an evolution. And of course, we, I mean, we, we know this. This is true for every single area of life, right? So when you're dealing with things that are generally less important or conceptually more coarse or, or primitive, you can let certain things slide. You know, if you're, if you're wearing a pair of jeans, jean skirt, you might be able to go for a month without putting it through the wash. Probably not a good idea, but you're not going to see every stain. But if you're wearing a white linen skirt, it's a whole different level. So now what used to be dirt now becomes gravel. Sorry for all the mixed metaphors. But, um, we understand, right? So when we talk about the avayda of each one of us, so really refining the gashmias, so it's really only possible for us to engage in this avayda of properly, it's only possible from the point of departure where a person realizes that Gashmias in and of itself, not only is it unimportant, so going back to the analogy, so after you find the pearl, you would just set aside the earth. But it's not only that. Elohim Atzmo, Harehim Kitsuris. The Gashmias is rather like pebbles. Lulei If not for the pearl found within, in other words, if not for the Nitzitz Kadesha found within, it would be just harmful. It would just be deleterious, like pebbles. And therefore, as soon as you find the pearl, Azai. Rashi changes the term, not maniach. You don't put it aside gently. You cast it away with force and it's not earth anymore. Now it's a pearl. 
Noitel Hamargulis. And it's only through this that you can actually hold on to the pearl. Obolosh and Chazal, and the Rebbe says to use the terminology of Chazal and Gemara Chagiga, Toichai Achal, Klipasai Zorak. And this is talking about Reb Meir and his teacher, Acher. Everybody else excommunicated Acher, Lisha Ben Abuya, but Reb Meir ate the inside and he threw away the peel. He did learn the Torah of Acher. He threw away the negative aspects of Acher. Yud Aleph. The beginning of this Avoida of Bira Hanitzitzis began in the main with Avoida of Yaakov. Because it was through Yaakov that uh, the run up to Matan Torah began. Golos Mitzrayim was a preparation for Matan Torah, and Golos Mitzrayim began with Yaakov Avinu and Eshivim Nafesh, his children, going down to Mitzrayim. Hachidosh de Matan Torah And what really happened at Matan Torah? What was the Chidosh? What was the novelty? <clears throat> what was the newsflash? Hamshachas bechinas halukus shelemayla meha elamais. It was about drawing down elokus or diffusing godliness that is higher than the world's. And it's only through drawing down light that comes from higher than all of the worlds that you can actually refine and extricate and unleash the sparks of holiness that are mired deep in this world. And it can be done the way it must be done. You throw away the pebbles. And why is this? Because when you talk about the lights that are vested in this world, it still has to be connected to this world. So this world still figures when it comes to those lights. Every light needs a keli. And every keli, every vessel, has to be fitting in approximation with the light that it holds. So if this is light that comes into the vessels of this world, there's still going to be a shaykhis, which means the lights of this world are limited to the vessels of this world. But by Matan Taira was drawn down lights that transcend this world completely. And in order to do the avoid of completely casting away the gashmias that now becomes like pebbles, which have no redeeming factor, but are completely deleterious, nidrash, nidrash, it's necessary. It's necessary that the gashmias should not figure at all. And that only becomes possible when you draw in a light that has no connection to this world. So it's only through the godly light that transcends the world. For these lights, there is no connection to this world. And it is only through this that we get the kayach 
to do the avoda that we have to do bishlemos. So of course, you know, our only interest in Gashmir's is only for purposes of Ruchnias. So when we're online looking through, I don't know, shoes, boots, clothes, skirts, I mean, we have to involve ourselves. But at least after the Sikha, if we get a little bit too involved, we'll feel a little guilty. And who else can say that? How lucky are we? No, seriously. On this era of Yutas Kislev, to, to, to realize to realize our schus, to realize what the Rebbe did to us, how he elevated us. He, he gave us lights that don't belong to this world at all. Even as we have to involve ourselves in this world, and it's necessary, and especially us. In the main, let's face it, it's not our husbands looking for the, to make the centerpieces or, or whatever else. The curtains, whatever, right? The, the Isha, the woman, makes the bias, the kalim, the spoke about this, how this is accomplished through and is connected to time right before Mashiach. It's the woman who does this, the, the finishings, the, the interiors. But, but, but it has to be done in such a way that we're that the gosh has to be pebbled and cast it aside as soon as you did what you got to do. Not, I'm not saying I'm capable of that at all. And that is why Rashi brings this mushal of the pearl, Dafka, at the beginning of our Parsha, because this is a Parsha. We start getting busy with Avraham, And he didn't bring, even though the Medrash brings the same parable, vis-a-vis Noyach and Avraham, Rashi does not. Because even though it's true that Nayak and Avram also had a stake in in refining the sparks, Nayak refined the ten generations that came before him about and, and the same thing with Avram, but more so. But it wasn't this level of Aveda where you throw away the pebbles and you grasp onto the pearl with clarity. And therefore, even after their Aveda, the world remained in existence in the same way it was before. Ella. But still in all, Rashi does bring the, he, he, he alludes to this very, very quickly in passing inter Aliyah when he speaks about Yaakov, he alludes to this vis-a-vis Nayach and Avram. Why? L'Rame is to allude. Shabir de Yaakov haya yachalavay dafka la'achar habir de Nayach Avraham. Vida Avraham. To tell us, to remind us that Yaakov Avinu's level of beer could only come after the beer of Nayach and Avraham. What did they do? Noyach Paulus Abir Binyanamha Shayachim Oilam. Noyach affected this refinement in the aspects that are relevant to this world. Because Koidem Avidase Binyanishal Noyach, the world itself was corrupt. Malaha or its Hamas. Forget about getting to higher levels. Noyach had to deal with, with a completely corrupt world. 
through his work, he effectuated a, a fixed world, like it says, he saw a new world after the flood. And therefore, the covenant that Hashem made with Noyach had to do with the world itself, that the world would continue and would not cease. That's Noyach. And what was the Chiddush of Avram Avinu? So Noyach just had to deal with creating like like first base, terra firma, just that there should be a world. Avram, his idiom of Biranitzaites of Avayas Habir was that godliness should be recognized in this world. As it says, Vayikra Sham Bishem Havaya, he called unto God, Kael Ailam. If Nayak was the one that in his generation it was introduced, the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Nayak, the Rebbe says you could say that Avram built on that. And what was his contribution? That you would keep these seven Noahide laws, but not because it resonates with you. And this will make for a stable, vi- viable society, but rather because Hashem said to do these things. So that's the second level. That's Avram. And it was only after these two preliminary stages that Yaakov could start his Avodah which was the Hachana, the preparation for Matan This was a necessary precursor, Yaakov Avinu's Avodah, to Matan And Matan pulled on a light that's higher than all the worlds. And only through this is the refinement of this world in completion. Let's see if we could do, if you'd pays in one minute. Uh, no, it's 11.30, lost it. Okay. And just like this is true, for each Jew in our Avoida, when it, that, we, that we're all involved in this Avoida Biranitzitis, Shetzarich Liyais Ba'ifen we have to really be able to discern and decipher what's the pearl and what's the gravel, own it and throw away the gravel. This is also true on the national level. So it's true on the microcosm level and it's true for us all as one entity. The reason we as a nation, as a people, have been in Golos is only for the purpose of finding, unleashing these sparks. And this is true. This was always true in every place and every time. And after it said, and just like it says regarding the Golas Mitzrayim, that afterwards, you will leave with tremendous wealth. And Hasidus explained that the great wealth they took out 
were the vast amount of Mitzaytis Kedusha that Bnei Yisrael took out of Mitzrayim. And that's the same in every Golos. And therefore, Yad Zman Golos Mitzrayim. Therefore, as soon as Golos Mitzrayim was over, as soon as they found the pearl, Keheref Ayin Yatsume Mitzrayim. Like, like the, um, the batting of an eyelash, immediately. You know, today it's become very like this expression, take a beat. But Haref Ayin is even less than a heartbeat. It's, it's less than a nanosecond. As soon as they, they found the pearl, as soon as they finished their Veda, left. Why is that you hurry? They had such a hard life. At least they shouldn't have to leave in a hurry. Now that their servitude was over, live a little. Rest a little. Why did it have to be bechipazim? Why in such a terrific hurry? The, the, the servitude is over. Let them sit a little in Gaishan, in this beautiful part of, of Mitzrayim. Why was it so important that they not stay for even a nanosecond? Because this is how Birahanitzaitis works. As soon as you find the pearls, you got to throw away the gravel, the pebbles, immediately. And so it is with the very conclusion of the refinement and the geula from this very last golos, golos edaim, golos that starts with Asa, the golos that we are in now, <coughs> about which it says, Navi uh, Micha said, just like it was in the days of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, I will show you wonders. As soon as the time comes, the Rebbe used to repeat this over and over and over again, the words of the Rambam, immediately we will be redeemed. All of the Jews will leave from all the different lands, in Mashiach, and will come with Mashiach, the land upon which Hashem's eye is on it incessantly, and this should be with a true and complete Geula, and it should be speedily in our days. And I want to wish all of us that we should be zeicheh, to a Shana Taiva, and we should be written and sealed in the ways of Hasidus and the learning of Hasidus, and we should be able to finish our Aveda Miyad and take all those pearls home. Have a wonderful week. Good Yamtiv, good Yamtiv. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'm Tiff.